It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King episode two. Two. Yes, it is, Julie. I can't believe it's here already. Well, I mean, you know, the good part is we look all the way down the year and we want to get to, let's see, 26, 27 of them and we'll feel really good about it. But yes, right now, episode number two, excited about our conversation for today. Heck yeah. So before we get started, just as a quick reminder, if you're listening to our episode for the first time, you can find our actual first episode on iTunes, Podbeans, most of the places that you get your podcast. If you like it, feel free to share and also give us a rating. Absolutely. And a little programming secret, you know, Julie and I, we tussled a week or so ago after recording um, our first episode and a story came out from GM uh, around one of their manufacturing plants and some really, really overt and disgusting racism. And and Julie wanted to, um, you know, tape a mini episode and we kind of went back and forth as to whether or not we would do it. And, and we decided actually just to stay on on course and to do the biweekly uh, drops, if you will. But we raised that issue because we want you all to know that we are always accepting of stories. And so if, if you are seeing things, find us on social media, tag us on the stories as they relate to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And really what that story did is served as a reminder that by the side of millions and millions of good folks in our working places, There are a number of bad actors and these actors are toxic. You know, they're destructive to the culture and ultimately they show up as a liability. And I don't think your legal team, I don't think your HR team, I don't think you want to be next to a a liability. And so, you know, bottom line is we we know that they're out there. We got to make sure that we call those folks out. But in good faith and certainly in good measure, we're going to kick things off with a really, really good story. And Julie actually found this one. Uh, It was a story around Benefit Cosmetics hiring Kate Grant. And Kate Grant is a model with Down syndrome. When I read the story and, and Julie and I talked about it, I just got all of those good feelings all over the place. Julie, what'd you think? Well, I will say I did lose a little sleep over the GM story. That one I was pretty hot and heavy over, but I do love this Kate Grant story. Benefit Cosmetics um, hired Kate, who is a, a model with Down syndrome, just just like you said. She's 19 from Northern Ireland, and she's really become an Instagram influencer. And she launched her first gig as a, as a model for Benefit Cosmetics, which has always been one of my favorites, but is now even more so one of my favorites after a talent scout saw her journey on Instagram. And her goal was to be a model and to be in, in Fashion Week and to do all of these great things. And her motto is, different is beautiful. And Benefit saw that as a great motto and as a great opportunity for them to start to better engage our community. And so I, I'm totally excited about that. And I, I just want to give two a special shout out to the Instagram account of Benefits, Benefit UK. So it's the UK version of Benefit Cosmetics, because not only have they included this awesome model, but they have also added image descriptions to all of their Instagram posts, not just the one for Kate, um, that are great for their followers and their consumers who are blind or have low vision so that they can know what's in that picture. Just because they have 
visual impairments doesn't mean that they can't be consumers of great products like Benefit. Now, I didn't know that they did that, Julie. Is that uh, some special technology or is that something proprietary to Benefit? No, it's it's literally just adding at the end of any post uh, a description of the image. And it's typed out in the, the body of the post in case okay. a, a platform doesn't have accessibility where you can put an alt tag on an image. So it, it looks fantastic. It's purposefully inclusive and intentionally inclusive. I will say I checked out Benefit US uh, Instagram's account and they haven't instituted that same best practice. So I would definitely challenge if any of our listeners work at, at Benefit US that they say, hey, why don't we spread this company wide? Because UK is definitely uh, leading the inclusion right now for them. Yeah, I love that as well. And again, we're going to see a lot more organizations taking up some of these social impact causes and, you know, just doing things that that definitely feel better, that that make sense to business. And I know that there's a phrase uh, in the community. Um, there's a phrase, inspiration porn, I believe that that's the <laughs> phrase. Is that the phrase? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, as I read it and I smiled, you know, I certainly wanted to, I tried to temper, uh, if you will, I'm being fully transparent. I tried to temper and make sure that I wasn't um, excited about the story because of that inspiration porn or that, that, yep. that possibility of inspiration porn. But I really love this story. Yeah. So, so here's the big difference because uh, Honestly, every time I see a story like this, I check myself on on the same thing because it's just human nature to be inspired or, or to look for the beauty in those opportunities. But what this shows is a model who has talent and has just needed opportunity working in the field that she wants to work in. And that's not charity. That's not inspiration porn. That's someone doing their job and being celebrated for doing their job well. And her, Kate, using her platform to continue to spread the messages that are important to her and benefit cosmetics, understanding the size of our community, mm-hmm. what one in five women in the United States has a disability, that's a pretty large consumer base. And if you appeal to us in mass, that's definitely smart business. But there, there's another thing, though, if we flip it a little bit, this is certainly a, a bit of a glass ceiling of sorts then and they those ceilings continue to be shattered for women with disabilities being represented in what we think of as beautiful and worthwhile and having mass appeal for lack of a better word. Yeah. But there is a note of caution in, in Kate's tale is that she really still fits into a traditional mold of what we are told is pretty. So by that, I mean blonde and Caucasian. And I don't have any reservations about celebrating Kate. I think she's worked hard. I think this is a big step forward for women with disabilities. But we're a very heterogeneous group. And we need to keep pushing for and supporting embracing women with multiple disabilities, but also our sisters of color who are struggling with disabilities and race issues at the same time that white women with disabilities don't have that same challenge. We have challenges. I'm I'm not discounting that, but we need to make sure that we're fully leaning into the entire female community and and growing us, whether we have a disability, whether we're white or we're black. And and I just want to call that out because I think it's important and it's easy to get lost in when we think of the disability community as kind of this one mass group. And we're very different all the way around. 
Absolutely. And again, I think what you did is you just, um, again, you continue to reinforce the need for us to keep steroid in the definition of diversity and to not allow such to be inoculated or contained uh, in a Petri dish and, and, and be it refined and small and narrow in how it is that we show up um, in terms of people with disabilities, i.e. in marketing pieces, in messaging pieces, as it relates to employer brand or community engagement, we must always operate with an expanded view. And, and while we can't put everyone in each and every ad, we can most certainly do a much better job of making sure that we are trying to be inclusive. Let me tell you, one of the things that I did like um, before we switch to the next story, I did appreciate in the story that I uh, saw and the one that we'll post, I believe will be the one that was in on today.com. You may you may decide to put another link up, but if you, in fact you find peace on today.com for Benefit Cosmetics, you'll see uh, the article also included some amputees, journeys. Uh, you'll look at a school that took up a challenge of designing functional clothing for people with disabilities. So in the end, I thought it was an all around win, Kate, for her family, for benefit, yep. and certainly for the community of people uh, with disabilities. Um, so I loved that story. How about uh, article number two? You want to talk a little bit about Facebook? Is that cool? Oh, yeah. I always want to talk about Facebook. Good stuff. So let me tell you, I uh, saw this article uh, on, where was I? I was on CNET.com and really the title says Facebook manager exits, says she was harassed for pro-diversity views. Julie, let me tell you, when I saw this, um, it reminded me of James Damore. You remember who James Damore is? Do you, does that name ring a no, bell? No, tell me more about James. So, so James was an individual who worked for Google and he put a manifesto out and that manifesto happened to be leaked to the general public. Not sure exactly who got it, but I read it. It was about 160 pages and this happened in August of 2017. And basically what he said was Google was spending an inordinate amount of time in their efforts towards diversity and inclusion. But coupled with that, that they were also suppressing the view of people that were a bit different, people that perhaps had different political uh, positions, people who didn't necessarily feel like uh, so much emphasis should be put on DNI. So this story reminded me of the James Damore lawsuit, which, if I'm not mistaken, is still uh, a live lawsuit. And the engineer from from Facebook, she said she'd been harassed after criticizing the tech company's lack of diversity. And and I'll bring to your uh, your awareness, Julie, that she's the second person to leave Facebook as a result of let's say, a lack of inclusion over the last six to eight months. And and what happens is she she was targeted on this site called Blind, B-L-I-N-D, a site where people can go and it's it's a little different than a glass door or comparably ratedly. But this is a site where I can go on anonymously and you and I can be in the same organization, Julie, and I can attack you. I can speak ill of you. I can berate you, if you will, and I can even threaten you. And my company or our company really has no way of knowing that it's me that is causing this conflict that is in many ways placing you and your livelihood at harm. And I really find that to be um, not so much so uh, a good thing. I just really... I don't know. How do you feel about a site like Blind and Glassdoor and Ratedly? How do you feel about them? Yeah. So I think that 
you know, Glassdoor, where you can leave employer reviews and, and Ratedly, which is an aggregator of those reviews, are much, much different than a way to anonymously interact with your colleagues. I, one thing that before we get really deep in this, that really stood out to me in this article, too, is the title. So this is from CNET. And it says Facebook manager exit says she was harassed for pro-diversity views. Right. And what I read in that article is that she was harassed at her place of work, Facebook, because she's transgender and because she also spoke up for seeing the need for a more diverse board and a more diverse workforce. So to me, even the premise of the article or the title miss really what this woman, Sophie, had suffered at the hands of her colleagues through this anonymous posting site, Blind. Did you catch that too? Yeah, I did. I, I didn't see it all the way the way that you saw it, but I just simply saw it kind of on the face of what it said. You know, bottom line is she's trying to show up and be who she is as a transgender employee. She wants Facebook, the organization, to do more to include her, to protect her. Uh, and she didn't necessarily feel like they were doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I was not aware or familiar with the blind platform before uh, we started talking about this particular incident with Facebook. And I spent some time, checked it out today. And it was, it, to me, it felt like a, a, a damn hand grenade without the pin in it. Wow. And, you know, there is a lot of language about how they protect anonymity, even within the private channels of work, um, and that they expect the community to be self-policing and all of these things. And Facebook chose to put this anonymous messenger app within its employment space. Have they not spent any time on their own platform or Twitter and seen what it's like when people can be anonymous and how we treat each other? Yeah, but let me say it like this. I don't believe that anyone inside of Facebook had to adopt or migrate the, the blind technology. It is a standalone tool, if you will, that you and I can go to just like we go to a number of any other sites. And so I believe that um, blind probably has done a great job of marketing itself, just like the folks over at Glassdoor and others, and, and people kind of opt into using such. So I do want to make sure that we kind of pull back a little bit. I don't think that Facebook has sanctioned and or put the platform in the uh, the suite of services, if you will. So that's a fair point. Blind does have employee private channels that can be integrated into a workforce. I checked that out today. That You're correct. That's absolutely. I'm sorry. I no, but what you're right is, and where I'm being over hysterical, maybe, um, is that the article doesn't specifically say that Facebook integrated that technology or that they made that something available kind of on their intro world. So I think we'll probably split the difference on this one and say if they did it, it was pretty dumb. And if not, they still didn't protect this woman from harassment from colleagues. I mean, they know it was a colleague, so I'm not sure, you know, I don't know how blind works well enough to say it one way or the other, but they have not given this woman the work experience that they they wanted to. Yeah. And, you know, before we uh, leave this piece, let me just say we want to give you, the listener, a question. And we'd love to hear from you. Honestly, how do you feel Facebook should have addressed an issue like this? More importantly, bring it close to home. How do you or how have you addressed uh, issues like this. I'm sure you have an 
HR department. I'm sure you have uh, employee resource groups where issues may have been raised or shared across um, messaging or communication platforms. So how do you feel they should have handled this? And, and the last question that I'll ask Julie is, you know, how do you feel our listeners? How do you feel about technologies like this, this immediacy of of feedback, this anonymity around feedback? How do you feel about technologies like this? So, Torn, before we shift off of Facebook, and I absolutely agree, I totally want to hear from um, our listeners. But I also thought that we learned a lot from the statement itself from Facebook, a lot about their culture, just by the kind of the tone and the tenor of the PR statement. Yeah, they, they really, there are kind of two things that are paramount to creating a more inclusive environment. And the first one is a focus on culture. And the second one is a focus on accountability. And when we see the the Facebook PR person say that we don't tolerate harassment of any kind, and there are clear policies about how to treat employees at Facebook, there's no language about inclusion or prioritization by leadership. And they really then also focus on shifting the blame from themselves to Sophie and and her concerns and, and saying, hey, look, we spent a lot of time with Sophie, with the human resources team, and she should know that we took this seriously. And it just kind of had this real lack of empathy in the whole statement that, in my opinion, just from a PR perspective, they would have been better to be silent than to come out and be aggressive and policy driven as opposed to empathetic and culture focused. Well, I mean, again, you just hit it. I, I, I always say to, um, you know, organizations and to people, you know, that empathy that humanity, proximity, um, those are three words that will absolutely uh, influence and shape how you communicate, how you take action, uh, how you recalibrate, how you monitor, measure. Uh, it will do those three things or those three words will, it will shift the way that you show up as it relates to not just doing the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but just in being a better individual, a better employee, a better comrade, a better teammate, a better uh, leader, it will show up differently if you embody empathy, humanity, um, and what was the other one that I said? Uh, empathy, humanity, and I can't remember now. So anyway, I, <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, I just think that those three words, they really have uh, a powerful way of helping us to show up a little bit differently. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, let's talk about Sherm because yes. um, it really... It set you off. And I know that we got to, you know, we're trying to keep it short in terms of time. But this one right here was important to you. And and quite frankly, it was important to me. This showed up uh, Sunday night in my Twitter feed. And, and I will tell you, I apparently need to sleep more, but I did lose some sleep over this one, too. So let me set it up for you. In May, um, the Society for Human Resources Management, if you don't know what we mean when we're talking about SHRM, announced a partnership with Coke Industries to support re-entry to work after incarceration. On Sunday, they announced the release of a toolkit and a request for corporate leaders to take the Getting Talent Back to Work pledge. Does that 
makes sense. So what could be wrong with that? Right. That, that was, I think, everyone's first reaction. Why would anyone react negatively to getting people who've been incarcerated back to work? And it's it's a good thing. And I'm definitely not saying that we have the largest incarcerated population in the Western world at just a little over three million Americans. And a third yep. of our population has a criminal history. So, Absolutely. you know, this is something we definitely need to th- to work on as employers. But there are a couple of things that really just rub me the wrong way about this. And the first one is, what's the value of, of a toolkit and a pledge? And this is a sensitive area for me because there are a lot of initiatives and activities in the disability community that focus on, you know, self-reporting about all the things that you do to make your envir- your work environment more inclusive of people with disabilities. There are a lot of toolkits that kind of give you a little bit of guidance on how to hire people with disabilities. And companies feel good when they take a pledge and they say they're going to hire veterans or they say they're going to hire re-incarcerated individuals who've been incarcerated, but it's not action, right? And that's the first thing. I'll, I'll stop there for a second. Any thoughts on that, Torn? I mean, again, I think that the, uh, and I'm actually going to the site right now, I want to see for myself, but if the pledges are going to be public facing, yeah. uh, then I think that they can be a good thing. You know, if it's yep. just going to be something that's behind uh, a security wall or a firewall, then I'm not so much so sold on the fact that that this pledge is here. I'm on the uh, homepage and, you know, I see the take the pledge, you know, uh, button to be pushed. So again, I'm 50-50 on it. I, <laughs> I don't have an opinion because I can't see behind uh, what it is at this particular point. But right now, it just simply says that you promise to do something by signing this, you promise to do it. But I don't see a listing of all of the companies that have taken the pledge. And that's what I'd be looking for. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. We Transparency is good. And I think that when we do that, just kind of like we talked about with um, Oracle last week is when we start to see transparency. But yeah, you're right. That's that's to be determined. Um, the, the other thing that really just burnt me up about this whole thing is is the partnership. So if you don't know who Coke Industries are, you don't know who the Coke brothers are, I would say simply that they're kind of the American version of oligarchs. They are incredibly wealthy, very politically active, very influential individuals in this country who really work to drive policy agendas forward. And I would say, you know, when we think about reentry programs, by definition, that's that's positive. That's wonderful. But very similar to the move from state and federal prison systems to private prison systems, there becomes a focus on profit and, and fewer protections and a, and a focus on reentry versus prevention. And let me back up a little bit by saying that there are a lot of people in our community that believe that when the Koch brothers are focusing on any sort of activity that's philanthropic based that they're looking at how they might profit from it. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's, you know, that's what it comes down to. That's how in many ways you become, you know, a multi, multi, multi millionaire uh, and in their case, billionaires. But, you know, I think what's rubbing you the wrong way is you feel like the Koch brothers are uh, the stand your ground Koch brothers. You know, they are behind uh, Alec that created Stand Your Ground in so many states around uh, the, the the country. You feel like uh, the Koch brothers are the ones who have have really, in many ways, um, supported you know initiatives that are not necessarily good for 
you know, regular individuals, but they're good for corporate America. And and I believe that that's a fair evaluation. Uh, however, I did uncover an article over the weekend that that really talked about the Coke Network donor retreat. And and what I will say to you, um, Julie, is that while I'm I'm no fan of the Coke brothers, I don't purchase their products in my home. But in fairness, the article says that they are trying to rebrand themselves you know, as a, a, a kinder, gentler and less political entity, because they do understand that there are a variety of issues that are important. And and what I heard through the article or what I read in the article is that they really spent a lot of time at this biannual meeting focused on poverty and those that have been incarcerated. And so there's a lot that goes with this. The first step back uh, which was um, passed uh, last month, I believe, uh, or or maybe it was this month. Um, but nonetheless, if people look up the first step back, uh, they had something to do with that. And, you know, you got people like Van Jones that's involved now where 10 years ago he, you know, would have never been in the same room as, as the Koch brothers. Um, you have Sherm involved and, um, you know, Johnny Taylor is the head of Sherm and, you know, he's worked with, I know, uh, he's worked with the Koch brothers in a past life when he was leading the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. And so, you know, now that he's at the helm of Sherm, uh, he's continued to to leverage that relationship and those dollars that they can bring to the equation. So dollars. Uh, what I will say to you is that um, what we need to do is keep our eye on the, the, the money, not the shining yeah. ball, but the money, you know, and, and to make sure that their efforts are genuine as it relates to uh, employing uh, those people with, um, you know, criminal backgrounds, if you will. So yeah, uh, on, the, on the face of it, I appreciate it because I have this is an issue that impacts you know, people that are close to me, you know, I have friends that are incarcerated, I really, really good friends. And, and I would want that if they are redeemed when they get out of uh, institution that they, you know, they don't necessarily have to check a box and that they can, you know, go back to being normal citizens and to to be able to work and to be able to vote. And so, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I just appreciate that. The other piece that I pre- uh, want to throw out for all of our listeners, if you're not aware, you can look at the hashtag on Twitter. Fix it, Sherm. That's fix it, S H R M, and you can certainly get a good glimpse uh, of why people are frustrated. Uh, Victorios, I, I believe he was the uh, person who started that hashtag last year. And so, if you want to get an idea of why so many people are frustrated with this relationship, with some of the uh, decisions that Sherm is making, uh, go out on Twitter with the fix it. Sherm hashtag. Yeah, I I think Torn. I mean, we absolutely are on the same page with that. Reentry programs are good, and getting back to work is good. You've paid your price. You've you've done your time. Now it's time to be a, a regular part of society and be able to re-enter employment. That's absolutely a need, and it's absolutely critical. But the thing is, is that you also can't. And I'll just be kind of transparent. You can't fall for. PR activities that are wrapped in philanthropic bullshit, right? So if the Koch brothers really were interested in making sure that people were able to re-enter or not enter 
the, the criminal justice system in the first place, they wouldn't be against public infrastructure programs. When we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that they're now actively putting in, making sure that, that public programs are not available for those people that are most disproportionately impacted by the criminal justice system, and that's Blacks and people with disabilities. So they're attacking mass transit at the local level and putting millions of dollars into those. They put over $100 million into slashing the American, uh, the Affordable Care Act. And that included an, a full-on attack on making sure that insurance companies could drop mental health coverage that was required. They've spent millions of dollars on public education system dismantling again at the local level. This is where they're really starting the fight is on the ground locally. And then when they put out these nice little PR activities and they throw Sherm a few bucks and then have someone from the WAP, Washington Post, you know, put out an article that they said, oh, yes, we're going to be a kinder, gentle, gentler, less political entity. Um, and we go, OK, well, it's fine because this thing is good. But they're actually just reinforcing the system that created mass incarceration in our country in the first place with the majority of those dollars, but then asking us for a pass when they throw a few dollars our way. It, it to me, it's just feeling like being, you know, totally snowballed. Yeah, well, you know, again, and and that's the 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 cat and the mouse. That's the carrot. That's the stick. Uh, <laughs> that's the bee with the honey, if you will. And so <laughs> that's the reason why this story, you know, is so problematic because we are in the talent acquisition, human resource. We are in the people business, and so yeah. you know, we are trying to look at it from the standpoint of how do we continue to build uh, business units, departments, and teams, our organizations, companies institutions uh, that will stand uh, the test of time, that will be strong enough to move us into this fourth industrial phase and not just limping, but to 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 enter into this phase in a way that is extremely powerful and captivating. And so we, we understand and I agree with you 1000 percent. What I will say to you is that uh, if, if individuals are not satisfied or, or if they don't want to um, uh, to be a strange bedfellow with Sherm, Coke <laughs> and the work, work that they're doing, uh, there is a, certainly an option out there. Uh, one of the options that I appreciate is 70millionjobs.com, 70millionjobs.com, where they are focused on getting those with criminal backgrounds uh, places of employment. So Sweet. I love that people are addressing the audience. We should just make sure we are watching the people that are doing that addressing. Yeah, Man. so we'll definitely make sure that we put the link uh, for the 70 Million Jobs Project in our podcast um, notes this week. I hadn't heard about that until you brought it up, too. And I think that's something definitely to take a look at. So listen, there's always more to discuss. Yes. Um, but the bottom line is you can find us on social media. I'm at Torin Ellis. That's T-O-R-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. Reminder, we welcome any and all stories, shares, and suggestions. And one other thing, you can catch me this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, on Sirius XM Channel 126 at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Super Bowl Sunday, 1 p.m., Sirius XM Channel 126. I'm going to be discussing the Rooney Rule and its lack of presence in the NFL as well as corporate America, bringing that heat. Is that something you're going to be doing every Sunday? Every Sunday, 1 p.m. Every Sunday, 1 p.m., channel 126. 
Excellent. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I will definitely tune in before I get started on my Super Bowl festivities. Um, so thank you guys for joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. My I'm Julie Sowash, and you can find me at everywhere at Julie Sowash, J-U-L-I-E-S-O-W-A-S-H. Join us next week or in the two weeks. Perhaps we'll find a few D&I love stories for the next show. Torn, what do you think? It's on February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. I think we can find at least one. Oh, come on, man. There's got to be some D&I inclusion related love stories uh, for that <laughs> episode. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And once again, good people, you can find us on Podbean. You can subscribe at iTunes. And the most important thing is that you can tell a friend to tell a friend to spend a few moments with Julie and I. We appreciate you. Yeah. Y'all have a great week. We'll talk to you in a couple. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.